glimpse of heaven radically changed the Apostle John's perspective. And his description of an eternity of worship can help do the same for you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah brings his series, My Heart's Desire, to a close with a look at the transforming power of praise. If you struggle with discouragement, take heart and listen as David concludes his message, Eternal Perspective. And I want to thank you for joining us as we come to the end of the month of September. September is an interesting month for all of us, beginning of school, vacations are over, back to the routine, and uh, I'm always kind of glad for September. I do better when things are a little more organized than they often are during the vacation period. And um, I must admit, too, I love football, so that means football's back, and we'll be teaching on the new book uh, beginning on Monday. Monday is um, not a teaching session because we begin every series now with an interview with Sheila Walsh talking about the new series, The World of the End. This was uh, one of the most intriguing um, interviews we've ever done. And, you know, Sheila's a great interviewer. I always tell everybody I love to be interviewed by Sheila because she actually reads the book before she comes to the event. And we have a great discussion on important things. So the the uh, interview will be on Monday, and then on Tuesday we'll begin teaching uh, the material in the book, The World of the End. You don't want to miss the month of October. It's a very special month as we unroll and unfold this new material. Don't forget, you can still get your copy of the calendar, Moving Mountains, which is a 14-month calendar beginning in November. It was the resource and is the resource for September, but uh, this is the last day. And you want to get your calendar, I hope you will take some time today to log in with us, and uh, we would love sending this to you. It's beautiful. You'll love it. Uh, It'll be a blessing in your life. That's our prayer. Ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Well, today we finish up our discussion by going to part two of Eternal Perspectives. So let's get started. The open door in John's life, recorded for us in the book of Revelation, Suddenly, the light of heaven pierced through a crack in the door that hadn't been there a moment before. And the voice told him that he would be allowed to enter, that John would boldly go where no man had ever gone before. He would stand at the threshold of eternity and record what he saw so that countless generations yet unborn could vicariously glimpse the same wonders that John glimpsed as he writes about them and we see them through his eyes. One moment, the elderly John might have been lamenting his rheumatism. He might have felt the aches and pains in his joints, or he may have been tossing and turning through another restless night. His thoughts may have been on absent friends as they might face trial or prison. Perhaps he was reliving the wonderful days of Jesus' physical presence and wishing that time hadn't passed so quickly. If he was anything like you and me, John was immersed in the disappointments of this world and the land of the dead. And then when the door was suddenly opened, John walked through the portal and he began to see a whole different picture. He saw eternity. He saw life through an eternal perspective. When he looked through that open door, this is what he saw from the book of Revelation and the fourth chapter. Now let's just remember, I've tried to get the setting where John is when this happens. And he's old and tired and discouraged And the Lord gives him a glimpse of heaven, and this is how he describes it. Read it out loud together. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Amen. Can you imagine, can you just imagine what John thought when he saw what we just read <laughs> on the Isle of Patmos, discouraged, wondering if God had forgotten him and God gave him a view of heaven as it will be forever and ever as he looked through the open door. I challenge you to capture in your imagination the sights John was allowed to see. For that's why they're recorded in the Bible. This is just not a prophecy text. The Lamb of God bids us to come and worship. And he wants us to stand before his throne and sing praises and to experience the liberation that comes when a divine perspective takes root within us. Stop for a moment and think. All of the craziness that's going on in our world today, economic downturn, the stock market in trouble, war on every hand, terrorism at the door. And you know what I thought about when I read this? I don't know if you saw this. He looked and he saw a throne set in heaven and somebody was on the throne. Amen. You know, the world's coming unglued, but God's still on the throne. When you begin to see life through the open door of heaven, everything is touched and changed. And then you begin to worship, not because you're in a good mood or a bad mood. You begin to worship not because of this style or that style. You begin to worship not because you're in church or out of church, but because you have a picture of who God is in his greatness and majesty. And how can you not worship him? The great work of humanity, as you study the history of the Bible is the work of worship and praise. Did you know that we as Christians do three things in the church, three major things? We preach, we pray, and we praise. Those are the three main things we do. 
But only one of them is going to survive to heaven. Did you know that? I'm ashamed to tell you. And I'm worried a little bit about it, frankly. There isn't going to be any preaching in heaven. Some of you are going to say, amen. (laughs) There won't be any preaching in heaven because the Bible says we're going to know everything that we need to know. We're going to be knowing as we're known. We'll have perfect knowledge of who God is. There won't be any praying in heaven because we will already have everything that we desire from God. But the Bible says there's going to be praise in heaven. And it's going to occupy us for eternity. You know what? If that's something that's going to be ours for eternity, it ought to be something pretty important to us down here, don't you think? We ought to come to church with a spirit of praise and worship. We ought to start each day with a spirit of worship and prayer. The earth grows strangely dim with eternity's values in view, says the chorus. That ought to be our heart as well. So the invitation I want to give you to this new perspective added to the invitation of this new power is that when you attain the perspective of heaven, you begin to be aware of the infinite difference between the eternal and the temporal. Temporal matters weigh us down, but in light of eternity, they're small indeed. I've been talking to you a lot about C.S. Lewis recently because C.S. Lewis probably has written more on this subject from an intellectual perspective than anyone I've read. In his allegory, The Great Divorce, a character experiences his own version of what John saw through the gates of heaven. The man rides a bus to paradise and finds that it's a land that is more fully, powerfully real than any place he could have imagined. It is a land where everything is bright and gigantic and bursting with color and expressed in its fullest implications. But hell, he discovers, is no more than a fleck of dust in comparison. It is tiny, for hell is constantly concerned with littleness. It constantly folds in upon itself and becomes smaller, even as it takes in millions of hapless souls. In the same way, our lives become smaller, more confined when we allow them to be lived just for this world alone. We miss the grandeur and the beauty and the tremendous color that God wants us to know when we begin to see life through the lenses of heaven and eternity. This life is just a little breath in the midst of the length of eternity which we cannot comprehend. Over and over in the scripture, the metaphors are used to try to help us understand that this life is like a breath on a cold day. It disappears. It's like a hand breath, the length between your little finger and your thumb. It's like smoke ascending to heaven. It's like a flower that it grows and fades away. But eternity, the vastness of it, the greatness of it, the grandeur of it, the beauty of it, the joy of it, should dominate our thinking. And that's what praise does for us. Praise lifts us up off of the earth's perspective into the perspective of who God is. When we truly worship and praise God and we see him high and lifted up, it lifts us up into that perspective. When we worship, if that doesn't happen to us, then you're missing what worship is all about. Perhaps you've stood like I did at the Grand Canyon or you've been at the highest point of the Rocky Mountains and found yourself unable to speak. It's healthy to take in the larger perspective. We live our lives more and more in little cubicles. We think small thoughts and we indulge in small pleasures. And God wants so much more for us. He wants us to find the ultimate joy that is only attainable through an eternal perspective. Looking at life 
with the end in view. One of the truly wonderful byproducts of worship is that life becomes expansive and beautiful again. You realize that that wonder you had as a little child when you stood at the bottom of an escalator and saw people go up without walking is only child's play to what God calls the rapture when he's going to catch us all up someday. And the wonder of God begins to fill your heart and your spirit again. So, Pastor Jeremiah, how do I develop this spirit in my heart? You know that I like to ask this question as a preacher when I talk about things like this that maybe are a little bit deeper than the practical issues we often discuss. The question is, so what? So what if we see heaven? And so what if we understand life through eternal perspective? How do we cultivate that? What do we do about it now? Help me, pastor. I want to go there, but I don't know how. Paul gives us a clue in Colossians when he says, if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting on the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. You say, all of this sounds pretty high-minded and pious to me, preacher. Maybe I'm not ready for this message yet. I live in a real world with lots of problems and difficulties, and you want me to start thinking about God in heaven, seated upon the throne, surrounded by the church, praising him, and get heaven's view of life? That's precisely why we must learn how to worship. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I've preached these messages. I realize that the fighting over worship is just camouflaging the real issue of worship. Worship isn't about how loud it is or soft it is, how fast it is or slow it is, how contemporary it is or how traditional it is. Those things get us off the main subject. Worship is about seeing God and connecting with him as we understand who he is and we reflect to him the praise that is his alone. The Spirit of God accompanies us everywhere we go. Worship isn't just what we do in the morning when we worship or what we do in church when we come on the Lord's Day. Worship becomes a spirit that we live in, becomes an essence that is around us. It becomes almost like a bubble we walk around in, protecting us from the filth and the dirt of the world through which we walk. I recommend that you select a few of these suggestions I'm going to give you and put them into practice and become a daily lifestyle worshiper. First of all, you should know that you can praise God through music and you don't have to be in the choir. I don't know that I would qualify. Some of you might not. God gives people gifts of music. But all of us can sing. Amen? All of us can sing. Listen to Psalm 95, 1 to 3. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and all the king above all gods. I depend on godly music and worship. And I recommend that you do the same. Praise God through scripture memory. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, don't start down that road. I can't remember where I live and you want me to memorize the scripture. Well, I'm not talking about memorizing the book of Revelation or the book of Psalms or anything like that. But you know what? There are some wonderful passages you can remember. Just take one, type it out on a card, carry it with you through the day. Before you start memorizing it, ask God to make it really meaningful to you because then it'll be easy to memorize. Understand what it means. The Word of God can become a part of your life each day. You got the music of God pumping through your brain. You got the Word of God coming into your heart. 
And then I'd like to suggest something that I found one day when I was reading the Psalms. Praise God in daily intervals. Have some checkpoints along the way. I don't mean a checklist, but a checkpoint. In Psalm 119, verse 164, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgment. You say, seven times a day? Well, I think this is a great checkpoint for us who want to learn how to worship God as a lifestyle. Here's how you do it. Praise him when you get up in the morning. Praise him when you eat breakfast. Praise him in your coffee break between lunch and breakfast. Praise him at lunch. Praise him in your afternoon coffee break. Praise him at dinner time and praise him before you go to bed. Seven times a day will I praise you. You know, those are things, some of you would never miss a coffee break. I mean, you just would never, or whatever, a tea break or a Coke break. Just remember when you go for that break, oh yes, Pastor Jeremiah said, this is a time when I can just offer up some praise to God. Seven times a day during daily intervals, praise him. Praise him in the traffic as you drive home. Can you imagine how our freeways would change instead of that booming sound that comes out of some of these vehicles that sneak up on behind you and you feel like the ground is about to open up and take you out of this world? They're playing the praise music of heaven. In fact, I have some buddies who said that they're going into these cities where all of these boomers are going on and they're going to open all their windows, open the top of their car up and play praise music at the top of their system will produce. And I guarantee you, if they did that, they'd probably get arrested. But you can play the music of the world as loud as you want. Nobody touches it. Praise God in intervals during the day. Let me give you another suggestion. Praise God through visual reminders. Psalm 26.3 says, Your loving kindness is before my eyes. You know, we need a few good billboards that we can remember. Place them strategically around the house. I know you gals have a refrigerator thing you do with magnets all over it, you know, and your kids are there and your schedule's there. Well, get a little praise motto and put it there so that when you see it, put one on the mirror in the bathroom or on the visor in your car. Keep a favorite psalm taped to your computer terminal. <laughs> put a reminder in a place where you're apt to see it during the day just to jog your memory that I want to spend my life praising God. One of the great ways to enhance your praise life, apart from what happens on Sundays, to get in a small group with others who are committed to that. And when you get together week by week, just spend some time praising God. What a thrill that will be for you. Get some like-minded friends who want to develop this. I guarantee that if you try two or three of these things, just put one of them into operation. It'll change your life. It'll lift you up. It'll keep you from getting pulled into the vortex of all the discouraging news of our day. And it will remind you, that we are not the living on our way to the dying. We are the dying on our way to the living. And the best is yet to come for eternity. I heard about an old man who worked in the evenings cleaning an office building. The gym and executive would often work until after dark. He'd catch a glimpse of this old timer arriving with his mops, his brooms, and an infectious smile. Jim was under a great deal of stress. He was putting in countless hours, but he couldn't seem to climb the executive ladder with the speed that he desired. He was becoming moody, often depressed. And one evening, when there was no one in the building but himself and the old man, he paused to watch as this old janitor headed for the bathroom to perform the usual cleaning rituals. 
Jim shook his head unbelievingly. He said, I don't know how you can derive so much enjoyment from scrubbing a latrine. He said, what would it take to drive that smile off your face? Have you ever noticed that when you're miserable, you don't want anybody else to be anything other than miserable too? (laughs) The janitor laughed. He wasn't offended. He never thought about that question. He said, sir, I really never thought about that. I used to have some jobs that were prettier ones, I guess. I drove me a truck. That was good pay. Lots of hours talking to Jesus. But times were bad, and I lost that job. And after that, I worked in the public park, and I liked that too. Plenty of sunshine. Best of all, when I took that job, Jesus came with me. I could talk things over with him when I raked the leaves and picked up the litter. That was nice, but that job didn't last either. Life is tough, isn't it, said Jim. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that, the janitor said with a smile. I'm indoors now, and that's nice when it's cold and rainy, dark and lonely sometimes, but Jesus is there whenever I call for him. He would never leave me nor forsake me. Know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'd feel differently about cleaning a toilet if the Lord Jesus didn't stay by my side. He walks with me and he talks with me, and the whole time, sir, I'm actually getting paid. The way I look at it, why shouldn't I be smiling? Elizabeth Barrett Browning put it like this in these beautiful words. She said, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. I don't know what you see in the bushes around you, a consuming fire of heaven or just blackberries, but I know it will make the difference. It's a question of eternal perspective. If you see God in your life, if you long to put him not on the periphery of your life, not on the circumference, but at the very center, if you commit yourself to worshiping him, if you practice his presence in your life every day, If you realize that this is not about religion, it's about a relationship. That God does go with you wherever you go. Praise him and talk to him. Don't always just be asking him. Thanking him and praising him works too. Wherever you go, you will find that it's a fine place to be. And whatever you do, you will be filled with an irrepressible joy because you will know that you are in the company of Almighty God. That's what worship is. It's living your life in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? Um, We've learned a lot about worship this month. We haven't answered all your questions and solved all your problems, but we've lifted up Jesus and we've pointed you to the source of really true worship, which is being in the presence of God. And I hope maybe it takes your concept of worship to a higher level. Friends, as we end this month, we end the opportunity for you to get the calendar, Moving Mountains. We've talked a lot about it, so this is the last day. It's available from Turning Point. It's yours for a gift of any size today. Simply say, send me the calendar, and it will be on its way. The end of the pre-sale, A World of the End, uh, is on the 3rd of October, and that's coming up pretty soon as well. And um, on Thursday of next week, we'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina at the PNC Arena, for our first rally event, and we hope you will be there too. We have a pretty good uh, registration for rally, but there's still room for you, and I hope that you will make your effort to be with us next Thursday in Raleigh, North Carolina. Friends, it's not something I take for granted that I have this privilege every day to spend a few moments with you before and after the teaching of the Word of God. 
I appreciate your faithfulness, your cards, your emails, your letters, your personal comments whenever we see each other. And I know that we're living in a difficult time, but I also know that what we're doing here on Turning Point is the way through. It's the way through the wilderness. It's the way through the Red Sea, the River Jordan. If we stay focused on him, he says, if you keep your eyes on me, he will give you perfect peace. And uh, thank you for giving us the privilege to do that. Be sure to go to church this weekend. That's one of the things you can do to make your life better. And then, uh, obviously, we're available on Turning Point on television almost everywhere, usually not at the time when you'd be in church. I hope that you'll join us then. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right here on Monday. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by writing to us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4, visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2023, Moving Mountains and spend each day encouraged. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as Dr. Jeremiah and guest Sheila Walsh discuss the series World of the End on Turning Point. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Do you have faith that moves mountains? Turning Point's Moving Mountains 2023 calendar will remind you of the power of faith. With monthly scriptures and a Bible reading plan, this 14-month calendar will help you stay organized and grow in the Lord. The Moving Mountains calendar is yours with a gift of any amount to the ministry. And when you give $100 or more, we'll send you five calendars, perfect for sharing with family and friends. Go to davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study. I recently read about an early use of the phrase, stand up and be counted. In the early years of our nation, New England villages and towns were run democratically. Residents would gather to discuss proposed actions and a vote would follow. The moderator would call on those in favor to stand up and be counted, and the same for those opposed. It takes more courage to stand up and be counted than to vote on a secret ballot. 
And being a follower of Jesus requires a similar degree of courage since our Christian life is a public life. At least it was meant to be. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's courage to be counted on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.